You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. For the cheeseheads who want it fresh, and the ones who think Lambeau is a cathedral, this is Pax What She Said. Now, here's Perry Goldstein and Maggie Loney. Welcome back to another episode of the Pax What She Said podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Maggie Loney, joined as always by Perry Goldstein. And we have another New York team on deck this week. The New York Jets coming to Lambeau Field to face off against the Packers in their 50s throwbacks, which to me is almost the most exciting part um, (laughs) of this matchup, considering we don't know what the team is going to look like. But we know they're going to be dressed really nicely for this one. Yeah, I love these. Uh, I get to see them live. So my dad already told me he wants to go to the pro shop. He needs he needs something. So we'll be doing that. But yeah, I I think you you have to play better and harder when you're wearing the throwbacks. Like it's just a it's just a requirement. It's a prerequisite to putting them on. I think if you're uh, repping a jersey from the '50s, then you also have to adopt that style of football and you run the ball. So maybe (laughs) it's, it's that mentality this week. Yeah. It is that. Yeah, I think that's uh, what everyone's going to be screaming for. So you're not wrong. So let's uh, let's dive right in, I guess. Let's talk. I mean, I did. I did want to talk about the Jets as a roster kind of in general before we jumped into offense and defense, because I thought that the Jets had one of the best off seasons in mm-hmm. the entire NFL. I really loved a lot of the moves they made, a lot of the additions that they had, um, the tight ends they brought in, CJ Uzama and Tyler Conklin. Stole safety Jordan Whitehead from the Bucks, who is a fantastic addition for their secondary. Um, and then they had, in my opinion, the best draft class. I am obsessed with their draft class. So really liked the moves that the Jets made in the offseason and seeing them sitting at three and two in a really crowded AFC East, even though, you know, it feels like the Bills are winning that one. Feels like a wild card contender kind of season for the Jets, which I'm not sure we all really expected if you look at the Jets on paper and how they've played the last couple of seasons. Yeah, no, I uh, I think if the Jets made it to the postseason, Jets fans, this would be like one of the best seasons in recent memory for them. Um, 
I think that this team is just like one of those sneaky um, underdog type teams that you definitely don't want to look over. Like, you know, kind of like the Lions, like, you know, that they're going to come in and play you really hard and it's not going to be as easy as you thought that they would because they kind of have that very like dog mentality. And I know that they're trying to shift just the entire franchise's like mindset within that building to being more of a winning mindset and a winning franchise because they haven't had that in a long time and that comes from the top down that comes from Robert Sala who Packers fans are very familiar with not just because of his relationship with Matt LaFleur but because he coached a very good 49ers defense that uh, gave the Packers some hell a couple of seasons ago and then of course you have Mike LaFleur who also uh, I think Matt wanted to bring him over and Shanahan was like no um, so he, he went with Salah instead. So these are like very, very common opponents from the top down. So it's going to be interesting to see the way they come out and play each other. Yeah. And I mean, I think if it almost reminds me, not necessarily from, you know, the, the mirrored seasons, because we know the Lions didn't have a very good 2021, but you get a head coach that comes in and just brings like an infusion of energy. And then the way that this, this Jets team drafted, they got Sauce Gardner, who was, you know, widely touted as one of the, one of the best, if not the best corners wide receiver Garrett Johnson. And then they stole Jermaine Johnson, the defensive end and that towards the tail end of that first round. And they just had a really solid draft class. They only had, I think like eight picks total, but they were all in the first four rounds. So really impact players that you would expect to come in and make an impact. Obviously Brees Hall, will talk about yeah. the running back they took on day two. So just really like the moves that they've made. Robert Sala getting more comfortable, you know, in his second season, Mike LaFleur and offensive coordinators is, is really fun. So you you would think that this would be a, a really fun matchup for Matt Lafleur, but I think there's also a lot of added pressure there, knowing how the team dropped the ball last week, and then when you have you know your family and your friends coming in that you know really well, that makes the challenge a little bit tougher. Yeah, they didn't just have a good off season this season. I think they've had a hand, they've stacked a handful of pretty nice drafts. I mean, I think there's pretty high expectations or there were for Elijah Moore. I know Elijah Moore was a player that a lot of Packers fans really wanted because it felt like he'd fit. Uh, Matt's scheme, which kind of makes sense why the Jets would take him, continuation of the LaFleur scheme. And I mean, same with, uh, you know, they grabbed Corey Davis, which at the time felt like a pretty decent move. Again, a guy that like could be kind of Zach Wilson's one. So they have a lot of pieces. I think now it's starting to come down to how they put them together. And like top of mind for me is just how well Zach Wilson can play. He's had a pretty up and down start to his career, unfortunately, mainly due to injury. So this season, I think the rest of this roster and this new regime there are going to rest pretty squarely on his shoulders, depending on how well or not Zach Wilson's able to play. Yeah. And I mean, you know, obviously this wasn't all Zach Wilson because Joe Flacco was a starter for the first couple weeks of the season, but the, the Jets offense has looked pretty good. They have four receivers already. Um, or pass catchers, I guess you count Brees Hall in here, but that have over 200 receiving yards. Corey Davis leads the team, almost has 300 receiving yards. So just a lot of production from from their unit early. They've got, you mentioned Corey Davis, Elijah Moore, Tyler Conklin was a free agent addition at tight end. Just they're getting a lot of, I don't want to say this offense is what we expected from the Packers, but they're just doing a really good job of spreading the ball around. And a lot of different guys have found significant yardage and they're finding the end zone. Yeah, I mean, that's a big deal because that's 
you know, if we're thinking about how the Packers or defense is going to stop them, we're thinking about, okay, who do they have to cover? And if it's a lot of different people, then it's going to be maybe a more difficult task than you originally thought when you looked at the schedule before the season started. Yeah. And I mean, obviously you you don't go into this one on paper with a Justin Jefferson type of threat that you circle and you know, but the Packers didn't really show up in the secondary last week against the Giants that didn't have any weapons. So when you think about the fact that now Corey Davis is averaging over 17 yards a catch, you have to account for Brees Hall in the backfield. Like there's a lot of moving parts here. And if the Packers struggle against one element, like if they struggle in the passing game, Brees Hall is going to gash them. Or if they struggle to defend the run, then the passing game is going to open up for Zach Wilson. And, you know, you're hoping, I guess, at this point that because he's still got some rookie tendencies, hasn't played a ton coming off of the injury, maybe he'll have a little bit of a sluggish start. He has one touchdown and two picks so far this season. But one of the things that makes him a special player is his ability to scramble out of the pocket. Yeah. And we saw Daniel Jones do that very well on a bad ankle last week. So have to be mindful of Zach Wilson and his abilities as well. Yeah, uh, mobile quarterbacks have been a bit of an Achilles heel for for the Packers defenses, save from like being able to stop Justin Fields, which is just just a very bad Bears offense. So I feel like that's the outlier in this scenario. But you're right. I mean, Zach Wilson is just this is the very beginning of his season, essentially. Right. This is his second start um, or third start. His third start. Okay, (laughs) so this is Zach Wilson's third start. So. He is a little bit behind, right, of everyone else, um, especially getting on the same page with all of his new weapons, just being able to um, run this offense like the way that I think Salah and the rest of his offensive coaching staff would like him to. So you're right. I mean, we talked a little bit and you posted um, a really interesting stat, and I think we'll get into the Jets defense side of things, but the Packers defense specifically hasn't had a lot of takeaways this season. They've had some forced fumbles and some fumble recoveries, but the interceptions haven't been there. Jair is the only one that has the one against Justin Fields to really seal out that Bears game. And so um, with a younger kind of basically rookie, like early stage career quarterback like Zach Wilson, who is trying to like get there, there should be some moments where the Packers defense you would hope would capitalize on, but it hasn't something, it hasn't been something we've seen yet this season. So Um, I'd love it if this was kind of the start of their ability to make some plays on the ball, Um, at least some pass breakups, right? I don't think they had a single pass breakup at all against the Giants. Um, If I looked at the stats, I think it was like 14 completions against Stokes and Jair. So at least like bat the ball out of the air against this Jets team. Yeah. And I think one of the, one of the areas I really want to see improvement from this Packers defense is in the red zone, like the, the ability to finish. And we, t- it was a Mike Pettinism and I'm unfortunately we're talking about it again now with Joe Barry, but just the idea that you're, you can have a bend don't break mentality, but when you start breaking that defeats the entire purpose and the jets right now are fifth overall um, in red zone offense right now, they they've got a 70% completion percentage. So when they get down into the red zone, they're scoring a touchdown 70% of times which is really significant because one of the things we've talked about with this Packers defense is, you know, can you at least make the points difficult? Can you at least hold them to a field goal? And that was something that we saw improvement on from the Packers because they struggled really bad with that last season in the beginning of the year. And then they kind of clamped down and they got a lot better doing that towards the end of the season. We saw it in the 49ers game, you know, their ability to kind of lock down. And we thought that that was going to continue into the season. And it's been a little bit of a struggle for the defense so far. So 
I think that's that's going to be the key here is if the Jets do move the ball, which we've just talked about all the ways that they can with all the weapons that they have, you've got to be able to get some stops in the red zone because the Jets will get into the red zone at least once. And you've got to you've got to make the moves there. Yeah. I mean, it's something that we've seen on like first drive defense so far this season as well. Like there's only now been one game where the Packers have stopped the opposing offense on their first drive. Um, And for the most part, it's been touchdowns and or field goals. And I think you have to think about that for the remainder of the game, which is if you're getting near the 30 and the 20, once you get there, the game totally changes for this Jets offense, like you said. So you want to try to at least stop them midfield or earlier. And I think this also, you know, plays into special teams, right? If special teams can do some of the magic so far that we've seen with downing punts at the two, making the Jets really drive the length of the field, just giving this defense a little bit more time to get that stop. You know, we went into the Giants game saying Packers defense has been one of the best on third down. Obviously that didn't carry over, Um, I'm hoping, right, that this Giants game was the anomaly of the season and the Packers can also get back to being that force on third down um, because they're going to need that in order to stop, like you said, the the Jets from getting into the area where they're most comfortable on the field. Yeah, and I mean, one of the things that I want to see from this this team is just the energy because, you know, you could tell, like, in the postgame, the Jets put up 40 points. They did it against a division rival and say what you want about the state of the Dolphins team at that point. You know, they were playing a third-string quarterback, but Packers were in that same situation against the Patriots, and it was not the same kind of outcome. So there's just a different mentality right now where you've got the Packers, they lose a close one in London, and they're talking postgame about how, like, you can't let this be a hangover. We don't want to talk about losing games. We can't We can't afford to think like that. That's not our mentality. And then you get rookie Brees Hall who comes up to the podium and is like, we're so good, man. Like the, like the energy is just completely different. Like that's his soundbite is him saying like, we're on the sidelines talking about like, we can be so good. Like we're so young and we, we can just be so special. And they, there's, they believe in each other. And I think that's kind of what's been missing from this Packers team as a whole. I mean, Brees Hall as a rookie has 488 yards scrimmage yards right now, all like already through five weeks. That's nuts. He is like the cog for their offense. And it's just like, he's a lot of fun to watch. And I feel like right now there's just a, there's an energy. There's a, a level of having fun that we're not seeing from the Packers. Like, something's just missing and you're seeing it with all these other teams. And we talked about it in the the recap show where we got to stop saying the, the on paper argument because on paper is clearly not winning football games. It's the energy and the mentality that the guys are bringing to the opposing field. Yeah. Well, it's also execution. I think right. from the Packers side of things like the Packers, the Packers should believe in themselves. I'm kind of hoping that Matt, this is like a special week for LaFleur and that he can like rally the guys and say, hey, like this isn't just also any old game for me. This is like almost family rivalry. It is not almost. It is family rivalry level. Like this is our house. They're going to come into our house and like we cannot be- let them beat us in our house. Now, with that being said, right, the Packers at home this time of year are really hard to beat. Um, they do not lose games in October at home. So I think they do have home field advantage on our side. I will do my best to get the crowd to not do the wave <laughs> while the Packers are on offense. Um, but seriously, I I do think that there is something to be said for this week being just a little bit extra special for the head coach and that I hope the guys go out there and play. Not that they need 
a reason to play hard every week, but an extra, you know, oomph to go out there and like win this for Matt. Yeah. And that is something that we want to see from them is just, I want to see them go out and, you know, it's really hard to think about playing a complete game um, when they haven't done it yet this season, but just the ability to play a complete football game and what, you know, all three phases, like, you know, we talked about it again in, in the recap show was like, hey, they finally did one of the things that we wanted to check the box for and they didn't turn the ball over. Almost did, but they didn't. So just just stacking successes. It's the old coach cliche, right? That LaFleur always says is just stack your successes, sustain some drives on offense. Like I just want to see them get back to basics in this game and pair that with energy because I, I agree with you. Like Lambeau Field in October really tough place to play and i think this team needs to to feel rejuvenated with the home game because they got a tough stretch coming up yeah they do they really do you ready showtime on may 3rd summer starts with the fall guy let's do it later let's drink a spicy margarita make some bad decisions yes Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. All right, let's maybe switch over to Packers offense. Um, Because there's a lot of things I think that we would like to see this Packers team do. And when I look at this Jets defense again, like they have some, they have some players on that side of the ball that they're going to have to look out for. Um, Not just, you know, in the secondary, which I know that we're going to dive into, but up front as well, right? They, they got Carl Lawson from the Bengals, they drafted Jermaine Johnson, who has already been kind of a force. Quinnen Williams obviously has been was one of their first round picks a couple of years ago. So also some familiar names like Quan Alexander is someone that Rodgers has played against before, and I think he knows him really well. Um, and then we can dive into the secondary. But this team has been playing really well. And this is that's Robert Salas' side of the ball, right? Like this is his bread and butter, yeah. is really like hard nose, put all of your all of it into your defense. And like you said, they're on kind of a hot streak and they're feeling themselves right now. And there's nothing that feels better, I think, than getting to and, you know, stopping Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, especially, you know, the same way we talked about Matt LaFleur and you can make the argument that like, hey, this is my brother, like this is a rivalry game. You know that Mike LaFleur and Robert Saller are coming in saying, hey, you know, how cool would it be to to take this win from them at Lambeau, a place the Packers don't lose? I mean, Matt LaFleur has coached two extra seasons, and he and Robert Sala have the same loss record. They've both lost 15 games as a head coach. So you know, like, the winningness of Matt LaFleur has probably got Sala like, all right, well, let's give him another one. Like, it's just the mentality that you would have. And I think that the biggest takeaway that we kind of alluded to earlier is just this jet secondary can ball hawk like 
we talked about the Packers not being on the same page as far as, you know, what the, the receivers are doing or, you know, running into each other, running the wrong route. And you can't, they just can't afford to do that on Sunday against the Jets. The Jets secondary is just beyond explosive right now. They've got seven picks. Only three teams in the NFL have eight. So they're, I guess, tied for second in the league right now with seven turnovers. Six different players have at least one interception. So they're spreading the ball around. It's not just like one guy that you have to look out for. Their entire secondary is a threat. And they've got 23 pass breakups through five weeks. Like, that's insane. You talked about the numbers for the Packers already. Seven total pass breakups for the entire team through five weeks and one pick from Jair against Justin Fields. I think it was Peter Bukowski that tweeted, like, if you would have told me that this Packer secondary that we were, you know, touting as one of the best in the NFL was going to go through five weeks of the season playing Kirk Cousins, Bailey Zappi, Justin Fields, and Daniel Jones, and they would leave with one pick. I that, that would be insane. Nobody would believe you. Yeah. No, you're right. I mean, we've been saying all season so far, like, you have to play a clean game. There's a lot of things they have to clean up, like ball protection. All that is going to be even more important this week. Um, and you said it. I mean, there's been some wrong routes run. There have been some miscues by receivers, but that just that could mean, you know, the past few weeks, I think that's meant, you know, some three and outs or, you know, not getting the deep shots that they want this week. That could mean giving the game away right? like mm-hmm. that can be giving the ball back to the Jets and just absolutely like losing your chances to even get some points on the board and they cannot afford they just absolutely cannot afford to do that I know that I'm sure Matt is scheming up ways to kind of keep the ball in front of his receivers and not have you know the Jets secondary be able to hopefully jump routes or um, you know get in their way and press them but he's going to have to get pretty creative at making sure these guys can separate properly um, and hopefully to keep the ball on the ground and mm-hmm. lean on the run game a little bit more so that these um, these DBs don't even get the opportunity to to take the ball away. Yeah, so it's early in the week right now as we record this. It's Wednesday, so this, this could change. But one of the things I wanted to talk to you about going into this was Christian Watson who has, you know, popped up on the injury report again. He left the game, obviously. And Matt LaFleur made it sound like in his presser that the injury was one of those things that happened because he was being held. And sometimes when you get tugged a certain way, you know, you're you you tweak something. It's just it's just human nature when you play the sport of football that, you know, you're not always gonna have clean landings. And so whether or not he plays this week, I feel like it's gonna be a big game for the vets because mm-hmm. that trust is gonna be huge against the secondary. But I also feel like that was one of the problems that we saw against the Giants was this idea that, you know, Rogers sometimes gets blinders on and force feeds his guys. So I'm curious your thoughts kind of on this. Like, who do you think maybe for the Packers offense is going to step up and have a big game? Are you at all concerned about, you know, him and the connection that he's made with the rookies? Like, who, who's your guy this week on offense? <laughs> I don't think I'm concerned about it because I think Rogers is still – targeting his rookies when they're on the field now obviously Christian Watson being taken out was really unfortunate for him and I think the longer he deals with some of these like nagging injuries like just the further behind he's gonna be but Dobbs gets plenty of targets every game and I think that that's going to continue um I think my thought about him is just you know he's 
he just needs to be a little bit more focused on really making sure he finishes his catches this week. Like he's had a couple of, you know, drops, fumbles, et cetera, that, you know, you go the wrong way against a team like this and it, it ends up much worse than it has in the past. So I think ball security for him is going to be it. Um, I think this is going to be a really big Alan Lazard game. I think just based on Lazard's body type and the trust that he has with Rogers and his ability to hopefully like win matchups again, like I'm thinking about like sauce Gardner, who's a big corner, like a big rangy wide wingspan corner. Like you're, I'm imagining he's going to be on Lazard the most. And I like that matchup because I like Lazard's size and his ability to kind of shake off defenders the way he can and win in 50 50 matchups and I think Rodgers is going to target him quite a bit um Rogers mentioned also how he likes seeing Bobby Tunyon like building on his snap count every week I know he's still coming back from the ACL so I can see Bob being a really fun matchup in this game um, and he's another you know especially red zone target that Rogers really loves so I have my eyes on those two but broken record here like please 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 continue to feed the ball to the running backs and please start getting them involved in the past game because I think Aaron Jones again can be a really fun matchup against some of these linebackers if you get Aaron Jones on quad Alexander or CJ Mosley like I'm taking that right any day so yeah and I mean I think you know we we talked about it with the recap that you don't want this Packers offense to be dictated by the Jets defense. And, you know, there is a familiarity with Robert Sala, right? You talked about it already. He was with the 49ers. Matt LaFleur saw him, you know, as the Rams offensive coordinator, saw him as the Packers head coach in the playoffs. Like there's a history there and he just knows his tendencies from like, you know, being close with him. So I think you, you it, it's, it's going to be a chess match between this defense and this Packers offense. And that's one of the things that I just, I don't want this, this Packers team to get away from their scheme and doing what is right for them. Because I think we saw that against the Giants and, you know, you can argue, you know, until you're blue in the face about the calls that they made on third and two and fourth and two. And if those were the right decisions, Matt LaFleur stands by them, Aaron Rodgers does. But I think just, seeing the creativity and sticking true to the scheme and saying like you you said it that earlier this week like you know okay there's an eight-man box we're still gonna run the ball like we still have to be true to our tendencies and our scheme and we can't let what the defense is doing dictate how we do that yeah so for you like what's the key to winning this matchup besides obviously winning the turnover battle because I think that's every week but especially true this week like I'm gonna flip your question around on you I think honestly, to me, it's it's just sustaining drives because we know that this Jets offense can stretch the field. We know that they can sustain drives. We know that this Packers defense has the potential to get gassed. And I think you want to put your team in a position to play with a lead. The Packers, I, I say that knowing that they didn't do a very good job of that Sunday, but the Packers defense, when they have the versatility and the ability to play with a lead, historically, they've been really good and comfortable in those situations. It's when the Packers offense gets on the field and goes three and out that things start to sputter. So I think if the Packers can just move the chains, feel comfortable. I mean, you think of how many of those drives had, you know, if Rodgers doesn't take that sack in the second half and they're able to kick a field goal, how much that changes the dynamic of the game. So just those little things like finishing drives, 
And even if it's a field goal, even if you're not happy settling for a field goal, you know, we're talking about the perfect versus good thing again. If a touchdown is perfect, the field goal is good. And you've just got to start making good moves before you try to make perfect moves. Yeah. I mean, I say take the points these days with the way this offense is is working right now. Um, not saying don't go for it on certain fourth down situations, depending on, um, you know, where they are in the game. But I'm with you. I mean, the field goal unit's been great. Mason's been money. So take the points and just live to see another day. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I guess, so let's flip it then. Same question on the Packers defense. Who then are you hoping has a really big game? Or who do you think could be like the key to to kind of wrecking the Jets offensive game plan? I have this answer simply because it's been him all season and I don't see it changing. Not that I don't have faith in this Packers secondary because I do. I just haven't seen enough from them in the way that they're playing and how passive they've been playing for me to say, oh, well, it's going to be, you know, Rasul because he's a ball hawk or it's going to be Ja. It's going to have to be the front. It's going to have to be Rashawn. It's going to have to be Kenny against this Jets offensive line. Um, I think, you know, Zach Wilson under pressure is probably more likely to make mistakes than let's say like a Tom Brady or a um, a Josh Allen under pressure who are used to it now in, in this, in how long they've been playing. So I think it's going to have to be the guys who've been showing up every single game so far this season in him and Kenny and Preston and TJ Slayton. I'd love to see TJ get more snaps because he looked great against the giants. Um, so I guess my answer more is the front and just bringing pressure. Um, I'd love to see a little bit more like exotic pressure looks from Barry, especially against this O-line and Zach Wilson again, just from like you're going up against and we've seen it like Daniel Jones, Bailey Zappi, like you have to get out there and rattle them. They haven't seen as much as some of these vet quarterbacks. And I think if you do, you're going to get results that you want. Yeah. And I think part of it too is, you know, this Jets offense, one of the things that they have going for them is speed. They're fast. So to further your point, you know, this Packers, they need to contain this front seven. They need to do a really good job of keeping the plays in front of them. And if there is soft coverage, like eight yards off the line of scrimmage, like you're just oh, asking yeah. for trouble at that point. Oh, yeah. So I, I think one of the things that I'm, I'm curious about, and I, my expectations for this are low, but I want to see if, if Joe Barry does anything different with the secondary this week. I want to see Russell Douglas on the boundary, to be quite honest. I want to see Jair in the slot more. I want to see him try to put guys in their best positions. You know, I don't remember who reported it, but somebody had said that Darnell Savage was wanting to play in the slot. Like there's guys that are asking or talking about where they're, they're comfortable, where they'd like to try things out. And I, I want to see that explored more because we, we clearly know that the things like crossers, it's not, it's not working yeah. with the way that the secondary is set up right now. So I just want them to do something different. Yeah, I was thinking something similar just in terms of the way the secondary has been playing. Like if they play as off as they have been, this Jets team is going to run right by them. Yeah. Um, so they have to change something around. Again, I'm not I'm unfortunately not holding my breath on that, but I would love to see some adjustments. So I'll let you know what I see trotting out onto that field on Sunday. 
Well, I mean, we talk like we, it feels like ad nauseum at this point. It feels like every week we come on the show and we say, you know, you've got some of the fastest corners. You've got guys that can run a four, two, four, three, like just really fast times. And their game speed is better even than their clock yeah. to like 40 times. So just the the idea of playing such soft off man, it, it's weird. And I don't it's understand. Like, it's not putting your corners in a position to be successful. So you drafted Quay Walker to be this presence in the middle of the defense with Devondre Campbell. You know who's going to be a big test this week is Brees Hall. So, or Zach Wilson, if he scrambles, we talked about using him as a spy. So do more of that. I just, it seems so vanilla, I guess, right now from Joe. It is. And it's so predictable. It's just, it's very, very predictable. And it's, it's crazy to me, like you said, like there's just so much athleticism on that side of the ball, especially in the secondary. And I just keep thinking about Stokes. His rookie season like far exceeded our expectations. Like he was leading the league in like rookie PBUs and he was really like making his presence known um, on the field. And now you get Jair back and you think, oh, well, they they must be better now with the best corner on the field. And for some reason, it's like you don't hear Stokes' name. He hasn't been making plays on the ball. You haven't even really been able to see him use his speed appropriately. So I would love to see just like a big, a bigger game from him, whatever that may look like. Yeah, and I, I mean, it's weird because we talk about on paper and I don't want to keep repeating that phrase, but the Packers defense, you could argue or should have gotten better. You got Eric Stokes going into his second season. Jair is back. Devondre Campbell is coming off an all pro season. Rasul Douglas just got paid as well in the off season after having his best season as a pro. You real like your only loss really was a Darius Smith who didn't play most of last season because he was injured. And for all we know, you know, Rashawn Gary was he's more than ready for this opportunity anyway he could have been ready for this opportunity even sooner and he's been an absolute game wrecker so that's not really a loss at the edge position at this point because Rashawn's more than making up for that so unless you argue that Chandon Sullivan was like you know the best nickel option that they had which I don't necessarily believe then then what I, I just struggle to find where the issue is and what's wrong because the Packers have gotten faster on defense, they've gotten more explosive. They've added weapons, adding Devontae Wyatt and Quay Walker in the first round. You know, those were moves that maybe surprised us, but we were like, we saw the benefit of them and said, yeah, this is going to make the defense even better than what they can be. So I think the regression is just what's been so surprising. And there hasn't really been a, a put your finger on it answer to why it's regressing. And I think, you know, it's it's the scheme and execution at this point beyond the, the players that are on the paper. I think this game will be very telling for like the potential trajectory of this Packers defense, because if they come back out and they look like the team that played against the bears or even the team, you know, that played against Tom Brady, then I'm saying, all right, maybe last week that just something happened, right? Unexpected. Don't know the weapons credit to Dayball, you know, like there, mm -hmm. there's a lot of things you can point to. So it will be interesting to me just to kind of wrap this up for us here is, it's just whether or not they can adjust to what's being thrown at them mid game, right? Like how is the first half going? What are the jets bringing back out in the second half, depending if it was working or not. And what do the Packers do responding to that? And I know we've said so much, like 
this defense needs to dictate. This defense needs to dictate. Like, are they going to do that this week? Are they going to come out aggressive? Or are they going to be just this, like, passive defense yet again that we've been seeing the past couple of weeks? I'm glad you used the word dictate because that's the word that's been in my head, too. And not just for the defense. It's just, can the Packers as a whole set the tone? You're at Lambeau Field. The crowd is on your side. There's no travel. Like, yes, you know, you had to come back from London, which in and of itself is a a long trip comparatively. But you've got the crowd on your side. You're comfortable. You slept in your own bed. Like, you know, there's no excuses at this point. Can the Packers offense come out, sustain drives, put together a four-quarter game? Can the Packers defense come out, dictate the tempo, and get off the field on third down? Can the special teams come out, you know, and pin the Jets and make them march down the field and give them longer, longer fields without, you know, making a mistake? Like, I think that's, this is a really good opportunity for them this week. And this is when you really need to start answering some questions. I can't believe that we're already in week six, to be quite honest. But we're, you know, you're looking at now getting into the halfway point of your season in the next couple weeks. And there's a lot of things that if you don't fix them right now, you're not going to fix them. Yeah, it's so true. And they have a late buy, right? Yeah. So it's not like they're getting any kind of reset or rest anytime soon. Like they're going to have to do this like midweek, mid game, mid season, if it's going to happen at all. Because by the time they get to their buy, they're thinking, get healthy, close out this season. Hopefully go think about postseason. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that's, that's the key to the game for me more even than like a player or a matchup that I'm looking at is just, can this Packers team dictate yeah. and can they make their own adjustments? Because right now we're seeing every other team come into their, their turf and dictate and the Packers are having to respond. So like be the team that forces another team to respond. This is going to be the question of the season, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And hopefully they start answering it on Sunday. I, <laughs> I don't think they'll answer it in one week. No, it's going to have to be gradual. Uh, all right, score predictions? This one, this is honestly the hardest one for me so far because I just, I don't know what to think. I, I thought the Packers were going to put up 31 points and the Giants were barely going to get, you know, any traction. And look how that turned out for me. So, I don't know. I think it's going to be a one-score game. And it feels, feels like the 20s, like 27-24. Mm-hmm. 27-21. I was thinking 27-24 as well. I think, I think it's going to be down to the wire. Not that we want that to happen, but um, and I, I said it last week. I, I just don't think this Packers offense is in a place yet to be scoring 30-plus, unfortunately, even though it's six week six. Yeah, and I mean, as, as fun as that would be for you and your dad at Lambeau Field, maybe like a pick six would be nice. Get the defense in there, getting some points. I just... I think we're in the uh, crawl before you walk stage right now and they're figuring it out and they'll uh, I I do think the Packers pull out a victory at this point. And I think that if they don't, I'm going to stay off social media for a week (laughs) because uh, this guy will be falling. Yeah, I'm not even going to go there. So hopefully they're thinking win one and oh this week. Just go one and oh. Yeah. And that's that's how it's got to start. It's Matt LaFleur has not yet lost back-to-back regular season games. He's been very good at responding to adversity. He got punched in the mouth on Sunday, and I think he's he understands what's at stake here. And this is how you start it. Like you said, the perfect LaFleurism to end the episode on is just go 1-0 this week. So just, just beat the Jets. But this has been the PAX, which he said podcast. Thank you as always for listening to the show. You can find the podcast on Twitter at PWSS podcast. You can find us on Twitch, YouTube, and 
Instagram at PaxWhatSheSaid. You can find Perry on Twitter at Perry underscore Goldstein. You can find me on Twitter at Maggie J. Loney. Thank you, as always, for listening to the show. Go Pack Go. Go Pack Go. 2400 Sports is an Odyssey company. 